share a message and everything we've done so far is, is really part of it. Because I love um, just the ability to have a bit of fun, to laugh at yourself, and to laugh at others. Thank you, Jeff, for giving us that opportunity. <laughs> Seeing Jeff's performance this morning reminded me of something that used to happen in my household growing up, and I don't know if it happened in yours, but it, it might have had a different name, but basically it was Family Talent Show. Or family talent time. Did anyone ever have one of them as a kid where you would just perform for mum and dad and do silly stuff? I think I've got a photo. Um, that's me and I will be in the creative team next week with that guitar. If Jeff, me and you are in. But you should just make a fool of yourself and not care because you were just amongst people that loved you and you could laugh and you could have fun and you could enjoy it. I still remember um, my dad's act was Uncle Arthur. Does anyone remember Uncle Arthur? Back in the day, I think we've got Uncle Arthur next. Remember, remember this guy? My dad did an amazing um, impersonation of him and us kids would just be in hysterics laughing at it and it just had so much joy and so much laughter and so much fun. I remember last Christmas um, at the Lot family gathering, so I'm the oldest of five. I've got four younger brothers and sisters. We've all married and kids. I think there's now 14 grandkids, 10 kids and siblings and then mum and dad all in one house in Coffs Harbour for a few days so it's crazy but one night we were out and um it started to rain and then next minute I don't know how it started but it turned into a spontaneous dance party in the rain with all the kids and my dad trying to do this his music and what was it it was um Timmy Trumpet or something like that let the bass go and my dad's out there and he's doing his moves and it just reminded me of Uncle Arthur all over again <laughs> but there was just so much joy and happiness and this morning my message is called a time to laugh. Because I don't know about you, but I remember... <laughs> yeah, these guys have really got the memo, haven't they? I remember those moments as a kid. I remember that joy and that laughter and that fun. And I don't know about you, but that's something that I want for my family. That's the kind of atmosphere that I want in my home. That's the kind of atmosphere I want in my life. That's the kind of church that I want to go to where there is that atmosphere of joy and happiness and you may not have had that growing up you might have had a very different story growing up and, and I, I want to be in your shoes this morning I, I don't know what it's like but I do know that for some people that they, they can't relate to that but I guarantee you whether you've had it or not you still would have a desire for it right now for your life no matter what your history has been, no matter what your upbringing has been, I think if we're all honest, we would say, yeah, I would desire to have joy and happiness in my family, in my home, in my life. I wonder if we've got that same joy. Who enjoys a good laugh? Yeah. Who likes it when they watch a funny movie? Watching a comedian, either TV or live, getting a text message from Jack Williams. Whatever it does to make you laugh... It's great. Yesterday, Mel's party, there were people laughing and having fun and enjoying life. And we all enjoy that. I want to ask you the question, though, when was the last time you had a good laugh? Hopefully five minutes ago. <laughs> but to me, I think that laughter is one of the fruits or one of the results or one of the um, evidences, if you like, that there is joy and happiness in your home and your life. Christopher Lodden says it's impossible to be filled with joy and not be able to laugh. Now I'm going to talk this morning and we're going to say it's not always, there's, there's times to laugh and there's times to cry and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I want to talk to you this morning about the, the time to laugh. That's what my message is called. I think deep down we all desire it, we all enjoy it. 
And King Solomon said this thousands of years ago. In Proverbs 17, 22, he said this. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. Who likes the first half of that verse? Any takers for the second half? No. Gloom and doom can leave. But um, do you know I was reading that, that modern medicine or, or doctors now have actually caught up a little bit with what Solomon knew way back then. Let me read you some from what Christopher Lodden says in his book. It says, The physical act of laughter helps our bodies in three basic ways. You're going to get a little health lesson this morning. First, it essentially does the same thing as a workout. Just stop right there. <laughs> go to the gym or go watch a funny movie. You choose. <laughs> or go to the gym. Yeah. It gets our lungs breathing more deeply, our hearts pumping faster, and many other muscles engaged, thereby improving our circulation and blood pressure. Second, laughing relaxes our bodies and stops our brains from producing stress hormones that suppress our immune systems, wear us down, and make us vulnerable to disease. In 2005, doctors at the University of Maryland Medical Center declared that laughter is some of the best medicine for protecting us from America's leading cause of death, heart disease because it prevents stress from deteriorating the lining of our blood vessels. Third, laughter activates our immune system. Studies have shown that laughter increases our natural defenses against cancer, viruses, and upper respiratory problems. All from laughing. See, I did you good health this morning by making you laugh. But further, listen to this, laughter and humor are also vital tools for creating and sustaining mental and emotional health which of course directly affect our physical health. The many stresses we experience produce negative emotions like fear, grief, and anger. Unless those are processed through um, cataract releases like laughing, crying, or yelling, they make us toxic in body and mind. And sometimes if you're having a really good day, you can laugh, cry, and yell all in the same moment. <laughs> Laughter not only diffuses negative thoughts and emotions, but it also produces positive emotions like hope and elation and allows us to create new, more optimistic perspectives on our circumstances. Laughter, joy, happiness is good for you. It is good for you physically. It is good for you emotionally. It is good for you mentally. And I would also say it's good for you spiritually because laughter is something that is important. And I love it when medicine catches up with the Bible, don't you? The Bible, thousands of years ago, Proverbs 17, 22, in the New Living Translation this time, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Laughter is good medicine. Thank you, Jack, for keeping us all healthy. <laughs> Joy and happiness is good for us. We desire it. But I want to ask you this morning, how many of us have it? How many of us could honestly say that we have that atmosphere of joy and happiness is the atmosphere of our home? is the atmosphere of our life, is the atmosphere of our relationships, is the atmosphere of how we do life. For many of us, I believe there's a tension that exists between what we want, what we desire, what we know is good for us, and what we experience in everyday world. How many know of you it's easy to laugh when someone does something funny? It's a lot harder to laugh when life is anything but funny. Um, the circumstances of life don't always leave us feeling joyful and happy do they dads sometimes i think it's one of the hardest things to do is to come home from a stressful day at work and to bring joy and happiness and life into a home when you've had a rough day at work or a hard day at work or a tiring day 
it can be one of the hardest things. But I remember Mark Kelsley at a men's conference a few years ago said something to me, and it stuck with me. I wasn't a dad when he said it, but he said this. He said, no matter what your personality type is, dads, one of your roles, and you have many roles, but one of your main roles when you go home is to be a sanguine, even if it's just for the first 15 minutes. And some of you are thinking, that's, that's just not me. But I've been learning lately that um, personality is like clothing that you put on. Your temperament is who you are, but you can put on for a while and you can give life to your kids for that first 15 minutes or to your home. Yes, I know there's times where you just need some space and you need some time out, but there is also that thing. And he said, don't ever, um, don't ever delegate the atmosphere of your home completely to your other half. And I know if you're a single parent, you've got to do both roles and I understand that. But I think as parents, we have a huge opportunity to create the atmosphere over our homes. And I think laughter and joy are one of those things. Anyway, a bit off, off track. I didn't plan to say that. For, for Father's Day, I know we've already talked about this, but it can be a, a rough day for some. For me, Father's Day has not always been an easy day. When I was 21 years of age, I found out that my dad was not my biological father. And I remember the feelings that I had that when my parents told me or when I discovered it. See, I was told when I was five or six, but somehow I just didn't take it on board and didn't remember it or didn't know it to be true for me. Maybe I need to go to a doctor and they can tell me why I did all that. But I remember at 21 feeling shocked, feeling um, just you get so much of your identity and who you are from your father and then to find out that who you thought was your dad was no longer your dad. To, to find out that that person that you thought that's who you come from and that's your heritage and that's your history is to now be, to be changed. So I had some stuff to work through. Father's Day was an interesting day because it brought up those memories and it brought up those, those questions. I had some issues. I've probably still got some issues. You've got issues too though, so it's all good. <laughs> We've all got issues. But I had stuff to work through when it came through being to, to Father's Day. To this day, I do not know who my biological father is. My dad, who I call dad and is my dad, became part of my life when I was a few months old. And although biologically he's not my father, I've, he is my dad. And more importantly, this experience, this was how many years ago, 16 years ago now, has taught me what it is to be a son of God. See, I grew up in church. I knew God is my father. I knew it. I'd read it. I knew it. But at 21, when everything got challenged and everything got um, shaken, if you like, I had to know it in here. It had to go from just being a head knowledge to being a truth that I knew and could stand on. And so it took me some years. I'm not saying it was just an easy, oh, yeah, that's okay. It took some time to get through. And I had to go on that whole journey when it came to, to Father's Day. And then having kids of your own takes you to a whole other place of learning what it is, the whole fatherhood journey. So I say all that to say this, that we all have stuff we go through and we all have stuff in life that the last thing we feel like doing is laughing. And maybe today the last thing you feel like doing is laughing, but I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning that maybe it's the best thing that you could do. We, we sung before that our morning, or I think Lozzie even prayed, our morning will turn into joy. And really that's my intention in my heart this morning is no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your circumstances, you will be able to come to a place where you could say, you know what, it's time for a laugh. It's time to laugh because the laughter is the fruit or the evidence of something that's happened inside where there is a joy and there is a happiness. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 and verse 4 says this, 
For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. In verse 4 it says this, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. We know this, don't we? We know that in times of sadness and loss that that's an appropriate time to cry. We know that when things are down that, that it's okay to cry and there's nothing wrong with crying. We also know that at happy times that's the time to laugh, that's the time to dance. That's all true. But have you ever cried when you're not sad? Anyone ever cried when they're not sad? Have you ever laughed so hard that you cried? <laughs> or as this next one slide will show us. Next slide, please. <laughs> Maybe you laughed so hard that you didn't just cry, but something else happened. <laughs> Men, have you ever heard this? I'm crying because I'm happy. Next slide, please. And you wonder why we can't understand you. <laughs> and you wonder why we don't get it sometimes. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm happy. How the heck do you figure that out? My, no, don't go there. Just keep moving. My point is, it's not always so straightforward. It's not always sad times equals tears. Happy times equals laughter. Sometimes I think there is a place for doing what is the opposite. Listen to what Chris Vallodin says again. It is counterintuitive to laugh when life seems anything but funny. But according to the proponents of therapeutic laughter, that is precisely the time to laugh. For the real power of laughter is not seen in funny circumstances, but in difficult ones. Laughter therapy is basically designed to teach people how to use laughter, listen to this, to move in the opposite spirit to their circumstances. Using joy, using happiness, using laughter to move in an opposite direction of what life is telling you you should be moving in. That is the power of it. See, anyone can, or most anyone, nearly anyone can laugh in a funny moment, can't they? When someone's telling a joke or doing something funny, we can laugh then. But how many of us can laugh, which remember I think is a fruit of happiness and joy when we're going through tough stuff? When life is telling us tears, but something inside of us says, no, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to tell my soul, I'm going to, something's going to rise up of an opposite nature and it's going to have joy and it's going to have happiness. Concentration camp survivor Viktor Frankl saw firsthand that humour was a powerful survival skill that enabled him and other prisoners to hold on to hope and meaning through the darkest time of their lives. Frankl said this, humour more than anything else in the human makeup and affords an aloofness and an ability to rise above any situation. I think an ability to move in the opposite spirit to our circumstances is a true picture of what it is to have joy and happiness. Where our joy and our happiness are no longer based on our circumstances but are based on something else, something deeper, something within that says, no, I'm going to move in an opposite direction to the way that life might be taking me and I believe that that joy and that happiness is what we have access to as Christians as sons and daughters of God we have something deeper that we can access to where our happiness and our joy is not determined by the circumstances of life but of something within our spirit and within our soul and I'm not saying that it's never appropriate time to cry the Bible says to, to mourn with those weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice so there is a time for crying don't get me wrong at all 
this morning, I don't want to say just suck it up, princess, and move on. I, but I do want to say that sometimes laughter and joy and happiness can be the very thing that takes you out of the pit of despair and the pit of hopelessness. And sometimes I was reading in, in Chris Fellowden's book that actually te- that the best way to start laughing is to start laughing. In other words, sometimes you don't feel like loving your spouse, so start doing actions of love and the, the feelings will come. And so they say the same thing about laughter and joy and happiness, that you can command your soul nearly to find joy and happiness and laughter, even in the worst situations. But this morning, um, I want you to know that the, the happiness and the joy and the laughter stuff, it's not just the business of the self-help gurus and the, the life coaches and the laughter therapy people, but it's all just imitating what we find in here. And so this morning, I just want to spend the next 10 or so, 15 minutes reading you some scriptures that I believe will help us build and have joy and understand what it is to have joy the way God designed us to do it. Jesus was full of joy. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus was full of joy? It says this in Hebrews 1 verse 8 and 9 where God is praying and it's saying, this is what God said about his son Jesus. Verse 8, but to the son he says, and go down to verse 9, you love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Jesus had an anointing of joy. It says that he had more joy than anyone else around him. He was the life of the party. He was the one that had happiness and had joy. You know, he went through stuff. People deserted him. People said stuff about him. He went through all kinds of stuff, but he still had more joy than anyone else. I wonder what kind of joy that we have access to as followers of Jesus Christ. That verse is that there's more joy than anyone else. Listen to how Isaiah declared or prophesied what it would be like for those who discover a relationship with Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 2 in the Message Bible. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunburst of light, you repopulated the nation, you expanded its joy. Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy. The joy of great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings. That's just not a smile. It's a great, rich joy. It's an expanding joy, a celebration joy. Do you know that joy is actually a component of the kingdom of God? When I say the kingdom of God, what do you think about? But the kingdom of God, it says in Romans 14 verse 17, says that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but about righteousness, yeah, I would say righteousness, yeah, peace, but also joy. At least three things that are part of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy is a major component of the kingdom of God. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So not only can we have the joy of Jesus, Jesus had an incredible joy on him, but we can also have the joy of the Holy Spirit. We can also have a deeper sense of joy. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wonder how many of us experience this kind of joy. I wonder how many of us have that joy, that festival joy, that overwhelming joy, that expanding joy that is a part of our nature because we have Christ within us. I know for me, there's still a tension that exists between the joy that I know I could have or the joy I know that I should have and with the joy that I sometimes live in and possess because we live in a world where things happen that are anything but joyous. There's still that, that tension. 
But Isaiah 9 described an expanding joy. In other words, a joy that grows. And so no matter what levels of joy you have this morning, no matter what levels of happiness you are experiencing right now, I believe that your joy can grow. I believe that your joy can expand. I believe that the joy can come within you that will cause you to move in an opposite spirit to your circumstances in your life right now. And the next few verses, I just want to share how we can do that. Because it's one thing for me to say the kingdom of God is about joy. The fruit of the Spirit is about joy. Have joy. See you later. But some of you are going, well, how do I get that joy? I've been a Christian for 20 years and I still struggle with having joy and happiness. There's a few things. There's two things that you can do. And then I want to share some things that only God can do. Okay? First of all, the things that He can do. When Jesus was praying to His Father, just before He went to the crucifixion, just before He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and all that, He said this in His prayer to God. He said, God, now I'm coming to you. So I'm coming home. But I've told them, which was his disciples, I've told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. Jesus told his disciples many things. Why? So they would know what to do. So they would, could fulfill the Great Commission. So they would know what it is to be a disciple of God. Yeah, all that. But he also told them many things so that they would be filled with joy. Not just any joy, but his joy. The joy that was bigger and greater than anyone else around him, a greater measure or anointing of joy, was given to God. And he said, I've given you my words so that you would then receive or be filled with the same joy that I have. So it goes to me then that by hearing his words, I can be filled with joy. That by listening to his words, I can be filled with joy. The intention of Jesus' words in our life was to fill us with joy. I want to suggest to you this morning that the more of his words that you listen to, the more of his words that you receive, whether they be the written words, whether they be the voice of God, whatever words they are where God speaks to you, the more of his words, the more of his joy. The more word of God you get into, the more word of God you receive and listen to, the more joy you can have in your life. Jesus said that he spoke words to his disciples so that they would be filled with his joy. My question this morning is what voices are you listening to in your life? What words are you allowing to go in? If you're sitting there and thinking, I don't have this joy, I don't have this happiness, can I encourage you to get more of the word into your heart and your soul and your spirit so that you can be filled with his joy? And sometimes you'll read something and you're not instantly going to go, oh, I feel joyful now. But later on that day, you'll remember it. Or later on in life, a circumstance will happen, you'll remember a truth. You'll remember some grace that was spoken or a truth that was spoken and it'll fill you with joy because you'll have a hope. Jesus' words were life-giving. They were there to take us off our circumstances and look to him. So it makes sense to me that the more of his words that we know and the more of his words that we receive, the more joy we will have. Is that right? Have you experienced that? What voices are you listening to? Can I encourage you to listen to the voice of God? And as you do, the joy will come. The happiness will come. There is something else that we can do that contributes to our joy and happiness. Psalm 119 verse 1 and 2 says this, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. So not only is listening to His words going to produce joy in your life, but doing His words will produce joy in your life. What does it say? Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. I write this down, the true joy of God's word in our lives is found in the application of everyday life. 
it is one thing to get a revelation from the voice of God and, and learn something about God that just goes, wow, that's amazing. That gives me hope. But it's so much more joyful and so much more beneficial when it's lived out and put into action. When it causes you to move in an opposite spirit to your circumstances, that is when joy is truly found. So there's two things you can do this morning. I know it sounds very simple. I know it sounds very Sunday school answer. Listen to the voice of God. Do what he says. But it is that simple. That by following him, by listening to him, by doing what he says, joy can increase. Joy can rise. Joy can expand in your life. That's what you can do. Now to the stuff that you can't do. You know, T.D. Jake says this great thing. He says, um, God will not do what you can do. He will do what you can't do. You do what you can do, and God will do what you cannot do. And we can do those things. We can listen, we can hear, we can do, but this is what God can come and do. He's the one that can supernaturally, supernaturally deposit a joy that comes from only Him. Hebrews 1 described how Jesus was anointed with the full oil of joy. And because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, that now resonates within us. There's some joy happening right now on the front row. And that's okay, because joy is in the house. Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, that joy now resonates within us. The joy is what empowers you to move in the opposite spirit to our circumstances. Can I tell you that this joy doesn't make sense? This joy is not logical. This joy and happiness is not what you will feel like doing, but it's a joy that comes from deep within. And I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have that in your life. This joy overrides other emo emotions and feelings because it is supernatural. To me, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. It says the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is joy. So it makes sense to me that only the Holy Spirit can empower you to have that joy and happiness when life says no, be sad and be miserable. My prayer today is for a greater revelation of the joy that we have as carriers of the Holy Spirit. We have it when we accepted Jesus Christ, we accepted the fullness of Him. We accepted the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are temples of joy because joy is a component or a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Kenan Bridges says this, we are called temples, not prisons of the Holy Spirit. We are a temple, not a prison. So it shouldn't be trapped inside of us, but rather it should be released into our lives. It should be released into our homes, into our families, into our workplaces, into our world. How many people know that the world that they live in could use a little bit more Holy Spirit-empowered joy? How many people have a workplace that could use a little bit more Holy Spirit-empowered joy in that workplace? How many people um, have a family that could use a little bit more Holy Spirit-empowered joy in that family? Now, you good? You good? You need more. We always need more. And you know what? You and I are the carriers of that joy. You and I are the bringers of that joy. Because we carry the Holy Spirit. And we not only have the joy of Jesus Christ, but we also have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Chris Velodin calls that a double anointing of joy that we have access to as followers of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.10, I'm just about done. We've still got gifts for the dads too, which is good. Yeah, there's more. Matthew 6.10 says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, joy is a part of God's kingdom. So I want to say this morning, as a declaration over Real Life Church, over every one of us here this morning, simply these two words, joy, come. 
Kingdom come, joy come. Let joy come into every situation, every circumstance, every heart, every home. Let it radiate the atmosphere because you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many songs do we sing about the joy of heaven and how great that day will be when we are reunited in heaven with our heavenly father? And this here says that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can allow the joy of heaven to come into our homes, to come into our families, to come into our workplaces, to come into our world by allowing the Holy Spirit at work within us to be carriers of that joy. John 16, 23 in the Message Bible says this, When I see you again, you'll be full of joy, and it'll be a joy that no one can rob from you. That is my prayer this morning that we would have access to that joy that no one can take from us, that no circumstance can rob, no situation can change, but we would just be carriers of that joy. No matter what our situation is, no matter what our natural response to Father's Day would be, my prayer this morning is that our supernatural response would be one of joy and happiness, that we would choose joy, we would choose happiness, we would choose laughter over our world. And I'm not saying, like I said before, that that's just, you know, be one of those people that laughs at all the time and you can't have a proper conversation with them and still be real but you have a sense of joy and a sense of happiness that is deep within this morning i want to finish with two responses this morning i want to give an opportunity for those who are here and they've never accepted jesus into their life you cannot have this joy that i've talked about this morning without knowing who god is without knowing who jesus is without knowing the difference he can make in your life you can't have that hope that eternal hope of eternal life without knowing Jesus. I want to finish right now by giving you an opportunity to know this for your life, to know this Jesus that had more joy than anyone else, to know what it is to have eternal life. The Bible says that when this world ends, when we die, we're faced with eternity. And eternity we can spend with Him in heaven, with our Heavenly Father, or we can spend eternity away from Him. I know where I want to be. I want to be with the person who had more joy than anyone else ever. I want to be with the bringer of joy and the giver of joy. I want to be reunited with him when I see him again, that I'll be full of joy, a joy that no one can rob from me. And as we finish, I just want you to close your eyes this morning. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, you've never decided to follow him, to live for him, to accept this joy that comes from knowing Him. Then as we close and our eyes are closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, yeah, Lottie, that's me. This morning, I would like to get to know who Jesus is. I'd like to invite Him into my heart. I'd like to follow Him, live for Him, know Him, and know the joy that only He can give. I give you an opportunity across this room to raise your hand and accept a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's never too late. His acceptance for you is a, like a father with arms wide open, wanting to be in relationship with you. And just while our eyes are closed, you know, maybe you didn't put your hand up, you want to come and talk to me after the service, I'd love to, to talk with you about that. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member this morning and you want to maybe have an honest conversation with them about where you are at, about whether you know your Heavenly Father. But for everyone else in this room this morning, 
I believe that there's a deposit, if you like. There's an impartation of that supernatural joy that I talked about. See, I believe many of you can go out of this place and put some things into action. But without the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life, that joy is going to be temporary. That joy is going to be based on circumstances. But I would like to pray over us as a church this morning for that supernatural joy, that anointing of oil of joy that was spoken over Jesus Christ that would be spoken over you this morning, that in every circumstance and in every situation, you would have a joy and a happiness that can only come from Jesus Christ, that can only come from a good, good Father. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand as if you're just saying, yep, don't miss me. I want, to, I want in on this. Joy, no matter what the circumstance. Joy, no matter what the situation. Happiness and joy. Laughter, when the last thing you feel like doing is laughing. God, I thank you for the hands raised across this room. Raise your hand up high and receive it this morning if that's what you want. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. God, I pray that anxiety would go, that fear would go, that doubt would go, that anger would go, that depression would go. And God, joy would be replaced, would replace it. That joy would come in supernaturally. And I pray not for this moment now, but I pray for this week when that joy is tested, when the circumstance is rough and tough, I pray that that joy would still be there because you are still there. And you're not just here with us in church, but you're here with us every day of our life. And so I declare that your joy would be upon your people, no matter where they go, no matter what they do, no matter what situations come against them, they would be carriers of your joy because they are filled with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you got some joy? I was very tempted to sing an old Sunday school song this morning. It's down, down in my heart. It's a joy, joy. The best bit about that song is the devil doesn't like it. He can sit on attack. That was the best bit. Did you have that line in your song? No, maybe just me. Anyway, I pray that you have joy and happiness and laughter this morning. And, you know, we're going to wrap up and remember those that are going to pray um, if you want prayer after the service. But we're going to finish a little bit differently this morning. We're not going to go out with a song of praise. The musos have, are sitting down. We've got gifts. Oh, no, we have Jill. <laughs> down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And that will do right now. I'm no Jeff King. We have a